You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, you've heard that phrase, clothes make the man. And today we're going to look at the clothes of the high priest. But does that make him the high priest? Well, no, his clothes don't make him the high priest, but they tell us something about who he serves and what he does. And it's all very important in the details. And we're going to look at that today on, on More Than Ink. Well, good morning to you. This is More Than Ink, and I'm sitting across from the lovely Dorothy. Oh, thank you, and I'm sitting across from the handsome Jim. Yes, and we are not only content in one another's presence, but we have coffee, and uh, and we have the Word, which is what we're looking at. And we're looking at a fascinating section in Exodus where we're, where we're talking about the tabernacle and the very specific instructions God has about what everything is supposed to look like because it's going to tell us something about Him and about life with him. And specifically today, we're coming to the high priest's garments. Yeah, so we're kind of finished with the building itself, yeah. the tent itself. This and now we're talking about the people who minister in the tent. Yeah, yeah. And the high priest, the high priest is the only guy that goes from all the way in the outside to goes all the way in the inside. And under, under very specific circumstances as well. But because he is unique in that way, he has unique clothing because clothing means something in the ancient world well yeah and we we probably need to just camp on that for just a minute because yeah. even today the way a person dresses indicates something about them oh sure. right if yeah. you go into a doctor's office you sort of expect the nurses to be wearing something identifiable as a nurse's right. garment right. you expect your doctor to be wearing something his white coat doctory <laughs> yeah. don't so much anymore yeah, if true. you even go in a fast food restaurant they're wearing t-shirts with the name of their establishment yeah, that's on, true right yeah. so it it, it's not a foreign idea no, that no. the clothing indicates something about the identity of the person you're dealing with. But in scripturally, it also, clothing indicates something about the inner character. Yes, of the, the reflection person. of the inner character to right. the outside. Yeah. And we know that the yeah. New Testament tells us that we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Exactly. So there's the picture to yeah. kind of start with. Yeah, so so God is, God is giving us imagery that represents who he is, what heaven is like, the relationship between God and man. So this one very particular, very unique individual in the high priest, you would expect to have a very unique garb saying something about it. And we do. We, all of chapter 28, which is where we are today, we're going to talk about that. We started in verse 1, and he gives us sort of the overview of what he's going to talk about in the rest of the chapter, talking about just the high priest's garments. So listen to this carefully, because this gives you a great context of what's going to go on. We read this last time, and we're not repeating it because we forgot to do it, but... <laughs> <laughs> but because this is just such an important intro to talking about the garments of the high priest. So why don't you take it for us? Verse okay, one. so bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him, and from the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. So this tells us right here that this Aaron, historically, was the unique only high priest, yeah, and his sons right. will minister with him. Right, One right. of them would would become high priest at his death, but yeah. not until then. Yeah. And you shall make, in verse 2, holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory 
and for beauty. Mm. And you shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. So that tells us the garments indicate something specific about Aaron, that he is set apart for this priesthood. He's different. And they're beautiful garments and they're recognizable garments, Mm -hmm. right? The primary idea behind glory is recognition. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So these garments say something. They say something. And then we have this list of six pieces. You shall make in verse four, a breast piece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work. That's pretty specific. A turban and a sash. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother and his sons to serve me as priests. And they shall receive gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen. Right. So we're going to launch off and look at these garments. We're only going to get through a couple of them today. But, but go wind back to verse 2. Isn't that interesting? These holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. Right. Let's sit on that for a okay. second. For glory and for beauty. And you already mentioned a lot about glory. Glory glory is just the larger manifestation of making known something, right? And and in this particular case, it's, it's who God is and who Aaron is as his intermediary, the high priest. Right, because the yeah. only guy who gets to wear these things is God's single one right. high priest. And there's a striking similarity between the colors of his clothing and the colors of all the tapestries and linens that are in the tabernacle and even the wall around so the courtyard. So there's close association. Right, so he is clearly made for some kind of role in this unique and very divine place. So there's just no question about that. But the fact that he adds to that beauty uh I, I think that's just fascinating because we have a god who who just um loves beauty i mean he makes and if you look around the natural creation he's made you go yep i get that i've seen a sunrise i've seen a sunset i've seen the grand canyon i understand what that's all about and there's no there's no question in our minds that the creator has made around us things of great beauty and he didn't have to he could have made everything flat and gray but he that's doesn't. true okay but this word isn't just beautiful it right. carries with it the idea of ornaments like a king would wear a royal splendor an identifying ornament yeah but which would have a delight to the eye yes which is beautiful right think of the crown jewels yeah right yeah exactly exactly and so so he's he's tasking these people with making these clothes he's giving this task to the people who are who are skilled that god has given by the holy spirit the skill and we're gonna talk about that in a couple of weeks when we get to chapter 31 god actually names them and says i'm given specific gifts of craftsmanship and wisdom to these people right. and they're going to make this stuff and and i i personally think part of their experience in egypt was to to pick up those skills. to learn those skills yeah, perhaps God, God because there's there. extraordinary weaving right. and textile arts and work of jewelers we're going right. to hear so. which, which is not to put down god's spirit that he gave them to be skillful but what they were exposed to the craftsmanship and now god has equipped them to be able to do it well very well so that's what that's what's coming up so we're going to do this really really well and again as i mentioned last time he's just in these few verses he says two or three times he says uh, you know this high priest he serves me he serves me Mm -hmm. now his role is as an an intermediary with the people and so that benefits the people but this is god saying this is my idea this is what i want to do um from my initiative 
I'm going to do something through this intermediary that's going to make our relationship work. So th- this this priest serves me. And the very things that he wears indicate something about his function yes. as priest. Yeah. So that's that sets us up to talk about these two very interesting things, the ephod and the breastpiece, which are yeah. totally connected together. You'd never had one without the other. Yeah, they're integrated. It seems. They yeah. are, they are, there's a lot of detail describing how they were connected together. Yeah, and those are the only two of the list of six we'll get to today. But I, before we get to it, I just had a funny thought is that, you know, the colors and, and the ornamentation of these clothing is so much different than religious garb today. Like you, you look at a cleric today, they're almost always um, clothed in black. I mean, it almost looks like a funeral. Well, not necessarily. In the, in the high church, liturgical churches, historically, uh, they wore brightly colored I know. robes and stoles. And there, there was some of that. But if you, if you just look at kind of, you know, neighborhood clerics, they're in black. It's boring. <laughs> it seems like they ought to be, you know, purple and scarlet. Okay, and, let's not camp on that. Okay, we'll camp on that. I just thought it was an interesting contrast. Well, let's look at it. Let's just jump into the ephod in verse 6. Okay, so who wears an ephod today, right? It's kind I, of... I don't even know what it means. It, okay, so as it's going to be described, <laughs> women, if you are a seamstress and you're as old as I am, you will remember making or wearing a pinafore. Pinafore. Right? Oh. It was a little uh, thing that went over your yeah, dress. It's an over thing. Right? Okay, so let's start reading. It's kind of apron-like but over the top well over the top because this just on the top part of the body so uh chapter 28 verse 6 and they shall make the ephod of gold of blue and purple and scarlet yarns of fine twined linen skillfully worked see that's beautiful Mm -hmm. and it shall have two shoulder pieces attached to its two edges so that they may be joined together so it hangs over the shoulders like a pinafore yeah and skillfully woven band on it shall be made like it and be out of one piece with it of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. And you shall take two onyx stones and mm. engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel. Oh. Six of their names on one stone and six names of the remaining six on the other stone in the order of their birth. As a jeweler engraves signets, so shall you engrave the two stones with the names of the sons of Israel, and you shall enclose them in settings of gold filigree. Okay, Okay. I want to stop there for a minute. Okay. How beautiful were they? Big, black, flat jewels. Right. That were inscribed, not just scratched with a stick, but inscribed the way a jeweler would engrave. Yeah. Something precious in, with a name. With a name, yeah. If your name is engraved on something, how important is that? Yeah, like inside my wedding ring. Inside our wedding rings, right, we yeah. have our initials engraved. So here you have precious stones with precious names engraved on them. Okay, and they go on the shoulder pieces. So yeah, let's read on going, for a minute. Keep going. This and is you cool. shall set the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. Mm-hmm. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord. Lord on his two shoulders for remembrance. Mm-hmm. You shall make settings of gold filigree and two chains of pure gold twisted like cords, and you shall attach the corded chains to the settings. Okay, stop there for a stop minute. Stop there, stop there, stop there. What does Aaron do? What is the purpose of these stones? He wears them on his shoulders yeah. as he goes about which his is, business as a high priest. Which is why there's two of them, one for the left shoulder, one for the right he shoulder. He bears their names on his shoulders. What mm-hmm. kind of things do you carry on your shoulder? Well, the shoulders are kind of a workplace. Okay. That's the thing. You know, you bear on your shoulders what you're, you know, I carry a piece of lumber on my shoulder. So the shoulders are a working place. Okay. You carry a burden, a burden. on your shoulders. Yep. But you also, if you're like us, you carry your children on your shoulders. Oh, you do. Yeah. Right? There were times yeah. when we just sat them on our shoulders and carried them. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I wonder if that picture's not here too. But he says, Aaron shall bear their names bear their before names. the Lord. And so they're on his shoulders. So those names are constantly looking up. Right, right, right. right. And the picture being God is looking down and he's seeing on the shoulders, the high priest bearing the burden. Bearing the burden of, of the name In God's presence. Yeah. Yeah, that's why presence. I kind of emphasize more the work side of the of mm-hmm. his shoulders. Because it's, it's really part of the work of the high priest is to represent the right. people to God. Right, And that's a burden he bears. That's a work that he does on their behalf. Um, because this is not the only place on this splendid garments that the high priest has where the names of Israel no. are there. In fact, that's coming up in a second. So contrast what you're seeing in the image right now of these two stones, one on the left shoulder, one on the right, with the names of Israel, with what's coming up next with their names in another place on another part of the body for another emphasis. Ah, this is where you do the symbology because this is really kind of cool. So remember that part of what the high priest did on the Day of Atonement was carry the blood from the bronze altar yeah. into the Holy of Holies. He's bearing the burden yep, and bringing it in to the presence of God. Right. And I might just add in passing that when Jesus was crucified, before he was crucified, they mm. made him bear this cross through town. And it's very likely he carried it on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. So so that whole idea, even when you see that imagery in paintings, you see the fact that he is he is bearing, bearing a, burden a burden for us, mm-hmm. and it's bearing on his shoulders. So that's you know that's not a small connection. Well, let's, well, the psalmist says in one place, I think it's I can't remember what psalm. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears yeah, our burdens. Bears our bears our burdens. Yeah. So that's that's the job of the high priest. That's Aaron's job. And now it's been formalized with two precious stones, very precious stones, and in engraved by a professional jeweler. The so I find it interesting that the stones are black. I know. Isn't that funny? Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. if the bearing of the burden is connected with the sin, the sin of problem, the people who need to be brought before God, then that's yeah. interesting that the stones, the names are engraved on a black stone. Right. But we're right. going to see in a minute on the breastpiece over his heart, they are engraved on glorious, beautiful, precious yeah. stones. So hold the picture of okay. the names on the shoulders so you can compare with where the names show up next. So let's go to the breast piece. That's that's in verse 15. Okay, I'll, do you want to read? I'll read this for us, yeah. So you shall make a breast piece of judgment. What? A breast piece of judgment. Don't forget that phrase. In skilled work, in the style of the ephod, you shall make it of gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen shall you make it. It shall be square and doubled, a span its length and a span its breadth, And you shall set in it four rows of stones. A row of sardius, topaz, carbuncle shall be the first row. The second row, an emerald, a sapphire, diamond. In the third row, a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. Uh, Verse 20. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. And they shall all be set in gold filigree. There shall be 12 stones with their names according to the names of the sons of Israel. And they shall be signets, each engraved with its name for the 12 tribes. And you shall make for the breastpiece twisted chains like cords of pure gold. And you shall make for the breastpiece two rings of gold and put the two rings of the two edges of the breastpiece. And you shall put the two cords of the gold and the two rings of the edges of the breastpiece. <laughs> it gets a little complicated here. A lot of here. detail. Yeah. The two ends of the two cords you shall attach to the two settings of the filigree. And so attach it. Attach it in front of the shoulder pieces of the ephod. So now you're seeing where this is going. So in the chest. 26. And you shall make... 
two rings of gold and put them at the two ends of the breast piece on its inside edge next to the ephod and you shall make two rings of gold and attach them in the front of the lower part of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod at its seam above the skillfully woven band of the ephod and they shall bind, bind the, breast the breast piece by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue so that it may lie on the skillfully woven band of the ephod so that the breast piece shall not come loose from the ephod. Okay, stop. Well, reading that, it's not going to come loose from the ephod. No, but did you catch it? Those those gold rings are literally intertwined, They're intertwined. with one another. Yeah. There is no coming loose. Yeah. But there also is this dependent connection between the shoulder piece and the ephod. Like right. the ephod hangs from the shoulder pieces right 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 so uh, that's an interesting idea that whatever this ephod represents in those gold jewels is hangs dependently from the right. bearing of the burden on yeah. the shoulders yeah so that's what i was saying contrast this now you have you have the shoulder onyx pieces you know with the names facing up and now you have a, a, a precious stone for every tribe with the name of the tribe on every one of these precious stones in in kind of a square pattern on the chest on the breast piece which right. is integral to the ephod now so you got the names on the shoulders you got the names on the chest and he's going to explain to us a little bit in the next section about what the symbology of having the names on the chest yeah, is so go ahead and read that i stopped you short no 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 that's okay <laughs> I had to get those details so that you'll know that we'll, just, you just need to understand it, it that dependent loose. it's not yeah. coming loose it is it is connected something about the symbolism of the names on the shoulders is tightly integrated mm -hmm. to the symbolism of the names on the chest that's the point they they're they're two separate places but they go together so let's see if you and can they put look this together different. and they look different yeah so here we go verse 9 or verse 29. Nine, 29 so aaron shall bear the names of the sons of israel in the breast piece of judgment on his Heart. Ah, and when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. And in the breast piece of judgment, well, let, let me wait for that for a second. Yeah, so, that. so that's the connection right there is that I remember we said on the shoulders, it kind of implies bearing a burden for someone. Many times it implies a debt. That's the burden. And then on the chest, he's saying here, it's so that it reflects uh, something about the heart of not only the high priest, but God's heart as well for these tribes by name, by name. So we have two places, we have two problems, not two problems, but two aspects of God's sense of preciousness of the tribes, the preciousness of his people, the preciousness symbolized by the precious stones. And in one sense, it's about his heart for them. And in the other sense, it's about bearing a burden for them together, integrated. That's just a great picture. It's a beautiful picture. And the fact that this is called the breast piece of judgment. Of judgment. And Isn't yet that interesting? the stones are beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that doesn't connect to when Jesus said in John 5, right? Uh, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Yeah. yeah. So if those those shoulder plates, the onyx plates, are, speak of the judgment of sin mm -hmm. that the high priest bears. That's the problem for I was us, talking about. Yeah. Then, following that judgment, we are declared beautiful and yeah. glorious and full of the light of God. Yeah. Uh, carried over his heart. When we speak of the heart, we're speaking of the deep inner person who loves. Yeah. So when we see this tightly integrated outer garment with the names in two places, 
we're seeing God's heart visibly displayed. Mm-hmm. The people that he finds so precious, symbolized by the precious stones, the people he finds so precious by name, every individual one of them also has a problem that needs to be borne by God himself. Right. And that's, boy, you talk about New Testament gospel stories. That's the gospel right there. Here's a people that God loves, but who have a problem, but he is going to bear the burden of that problem. He's going to solve that problem. And that's all symbolically right there, right there in the most visible spot of the high priest clothing. So, you know, anyone, anyone in Israel could look and say, look, my tribe's name is right there right. on his chest. And it's also he's carrying it on his shoulders. And he, this guy is doing something for me with a God who loves me tremendously. Look, I'm against, mine is against his heart, see? That makes me beautiful. That makes he me beautiful. He carries me and makes me beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a great picture. I mean, you could you could close your eyes and look at this all day and just make a lot of connections about the imagery of what God's trying to tell us about this. And this this is, you know, we get around to the high priest. Not only is the high priest someone who serves God, but he actually embodies God's will, God's heart right. for what he wants right. to accomplish, just like Jesus was very much that same thing. So this is God's heart displayed in the job of the high priest and in his clothing. Well, and actually, Moses actually says that after the part about the Urim and Thummim. And we'll circle back to that. Look at the final part of the last verse of this chapter. Mm-hmm. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart, on his heart. before the Lord continually. Yeah, that's that's the job of the high priest. That's great. To yeah. remind God the judgment has taken place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's do the Urim and Thummim. Okay, go ahead. Go <laughs> we, for it. We stopped short of that because there's another <laughs> little element in the breast piece, and this has confused people for a long time. So, uh, let's see. What do we pick up? In 30? Yeah. yeah. And in the breast piece of judgment, you shall put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. And then you get to the point you just read, thus Aaron shall right. bear the judgment of the people. So the Urim, this is the first time in the Bible I wasn't sure that the Urim and the Thummim were mm-hmm. mentioned. And they've been so mischaracterized and guessed about by so many religions well, and speculation. Well, appropriated by other... Yeah, and I was curious, too. I couldn't remember how many times they're mentioned in the Bible. Not now, very many. They're only mentioned half a dozen times. Yeah. And, but they're mentioned very early here. This is the first. And all the way through... Uh, you know, Ezra and Nehemiah, which are quite late, you know, in, in those captivities. And so they're there, but they're always connected with trying to discern God's will. So they're, they're in a sense, what I wrote down in my notes is that they're kind of a crude discerning tool, <laughs> in a sense. And they're they're embedded in what might be like a pouch or something in, in the breast piece. I don't know. We speculate about that, too. But it's actually, it says in, so it's in the breast piece. Mm-hmm. And they're two different things that you can access. Because remember that that breast piece is made of a folded piece of fabric. Yeah, right. So there's a pocket right. inside it. So in, in it, it, it has the kind of the inherent promise that God will God will give you practical direction. <laughs> that's what yeah. they're that's what they're meant to be. So um, in fact, I was I was I had forgot all about this. Remember when Saul was the first king of Israel? Uh, he's trying to get direction from God, and God was silent because Saul was kind of in a messed up place at the time. And right after that, he tried to get some direction from the Urim and Thummim. Didn't work, didn't get an answer. So as a result of that, he went out to look for that that sorceress medium mm-hmm. person, right. that woman from Endor, and that's what he did. But he was looking for that direction from the Urim and Thummim, and it didn't come. So that, that's what this is. It's some kind of direction thing. <laughs> so again, we're back to this idea that we have not completely decoded the symbology no, here. No. But the fact that this guidance from God is somehow integrated into God rendering a judgment on our yes. sin 
and yes. creating beauty in us. And the, the high priest is carrying this means of determining what God intends. Yeah. Yeah. So over his heart. Yeah. It, it, it's it's a great picture. So again, as an Israelite would look at that, they'd say, you know, here's my name on his heart. Here's my name on his shoulders. He's carrying a burden for me. And by the way, he's involved with me enough with the Urim and Thummim that he's going to give me practical direction in life to get to where God wants me to be. And of course, we see that worked out in Exodus as they as they leave Egypt and, you know, they go across the Red Sea and they go in the Promised Land. That's very practical direction. That's the Urim and the Thummim. It's God involved on the daily issues of life. And they're part of his heart for his people. That's what the that's what this breast piece is trying to tell us. And we know later that when the Holy Spirit comes in to indwell us, that Jesus said, Now he will guide you. Yeah. He'll teach you. He'll, He'll tell you what right. I've said. Very He'll practical. remind you of what I've told you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I wonder if that's not here too yeah, in could be. some way. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, We're we not. don't know. We have very little information on the Urban Thummim, but all we do know is it's connected somehow with pragmatic direction from yeah, God. So let's not make a mythology about it. No. <laughs> or build a religion But, but a it. lot of people have because there's just I not know. that much about it. There's I just know. not that much about it. So what I want to finish on is what we just read before. This is the very last line. They're just so precious. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment mm. of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. That is just such a sweet picture about God's intended high priest who serves him, serves God, but for the benefit of the people that he loves, but for whom their burden he bears that's what that's we're only two elements into the six of what the high priest is supposed to wear and you can pull all this stuff out of it that's why it's fun to read this and just sit down and scratch your head and wonder take another sip of coffee and ask yourself wait a second if it's on his heart what does that mean yes it's just a beautiful picture so it is for glory and it is for beauty Uh, no uh, oh absolutely no i was just thinking about um (laughs) About the passage that says, and he himself bore our sin bore our in sins. his body yeah. on the cross yeah. so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Yeah. Right? Um, and and I think that fulfills, that's the fulfilling statement yes. about yes. this visual picture of the high priest's garments here. And yeah. I, I kind of mangled that because I, I was just barely <laughs> thinking it through when you looked at me. <laughs> Oh, you're still working on it. I couldn't figure out what that blank look was all about. Yeah. I'm like, well, I was thinking about something else. Don't look at me. Yeah. Well, and you know, we've mentioned so many times the book of Hebrews. There's right. there's so much here that the writer of Hebrews spends more than half of the book of Hebrews talking about high priest issues because it's just a very rich source of understanding the heart of God on our behalf mm. and how he how he has Jesus as our high priest to not only bear our burdens, but through which he loves us. So... Anyway, so we're at the end of our time. We're glad you're with us on More Than Ink. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we hope you come back because we need to look at the rest of the garments. Oh, we got yeah. only two out of the six. And it, it gets even richer, so you're not going to want to miss it. it. It's very unique. It's so good. Yeah, so we're glad you're with us. I hope you find us next week on More, More Than, Than Ink. Ink. Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. <laughs> we just sort well, of we sort of worked with the logic it. of it. <laughs>